This is Coda Radio, episode 256, recorded May 2nd, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Scale Your Code. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Me? Why, my name is Chris. And joining us this week, as if he does it almost every single week for years in a row, it's our host, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike! It's not where, it's when I am. And how, really, if you think about it. And how. How do you exist? Are you a mind or are you a full body? We don't really know. I mean, sometimes we see these YouTube videos and I can infer there's a body there, but that could be CG. Could be CG. Or am I a construct developed by the open source gods to plague humanity? (laughs) An isomorphic life form uh, is uh, the preferred term. Don't assume my construct, please. It's an That's iso- true. That's true. <laughs> construct is actually a bit dated. Yes. We don't say that anymore. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> a little offensive to all the constructs. Kicking I mean, it, you know, I, we're I, kicking it off yeah. great now. We're kicking it off great. Mr. Dominic, um, so many so many exciting things to share with you today on the program. I am I am not just a little thrilled. I am I am so thrilled. I went and got myself a classic Rainier beer. Now um, Rainier beer is a Pacific Northwest icon, and so I am drinking a very West Coast brew to tell you about all of the open source hippie projects we're kicking off in the studio this week. So I hope you're ready for that because I got – Tell me about the beer. Slow down, baby. Let's not – Oh, yeah. Oh, Rainier beer uh, since uh, 1878, my friend, started right here in Seattle, Washington. Later on moved to uh, Oregon and is now – it runs out of California. There's an operation in Colorado. They oh, say – now, what what percentage of cannabis? <laughs> they say it's uh, they say they actually brew it from fresh mountain water, right here in, from Washington, Ooh. made and made with Yakima Valley hops. So, if that doesn't in- pique your interest, then you have no soul. I am peaked all the way, as they say. <laughs> uh, so, before we get into all of the interesting little projects that I've launched, and I shouldn't say little because some of them might actually be, be game changers. Uh, are you in the middle of a windstorm over there? I am. Um, unfortunately, I have angered the uh, how, Valkyries of yeah. old. How come it sounds like banshees are flying by your window screaming at you? It, uh, it, I, like I'm uh, picturing you like with like being surrounded in the middle of the apocalypse right now. Well, Chris, are you – not to get too personal, but I'm, I'm very sure you understand what a woman's scorn is like. <laughs> very. So, huh? You're very sure. <laughs> so I just want to say that – this sound ought to be a little familiar to you. I mean, right? obviously, right? Obviously. Yeah. I mean, look at yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just, just look in the mirror and understand where I am right yeah, now. Yeah, I do. I do. Only in this case, that that, that woman is nature. And yes. Uh, yes, you've angered her. I think it's it's probably because you flirted with uh, voting for Trump. And so now that's just what I voted for Aleppo. Well, yeah. Where is that? I'm sorry. Where is that? <laughs> I, okay. I, I'm not sure I actually ticked off the right thing on the ballot. I was a little lost. Yeah, but yeah. Hey. yeah, but you got it eventually. You, you probably got it eventually. I, I got there. Now, the guy that's not getting there is this uh, yellow light crusader who's been fined for doing math without a license. I thought this was a good story. Tell me about this. Papers, please. So uh, yeah. <laughs> there is a common scam that municipalities are doing where – did you know there's a law 
a federal law that yellow lights must be no less than I think it's like five seconds. You know, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think I knew it offhand, but that doesn't surprise me. So the idea is that a yellow light is actually a caution. You're supposed to be able to safely make it through a yellow, right? It's not stop. Right, yeah. No, it's, it's the speed up light. It's like, hurry up or else you're going to miss your chance to get through the intersection light. I mean, that's what it is in effect, right? That's what a lot of what people treat it as, yeah. municipalities have done because, you know, God forbid we've raised property taxes, have, because they need money, shortened their yellow lights to something like two seconds, no. Yes. This is a this is a big scam actually out in New Jersey. Um and then they put in automated red light cameras. Yeah, well we have where you get the tickets with the camera. Right. And 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 their deal is well with the red light camera, that's not a moving violation. You don't get points and we don't report it to insurance. But and it's it's only a hundred dollars instead of five hundred, which if a cop sees you run late, it's five hundred and it's like five points or something crazy like that. Um but on the camera which, by the way, if you know that the fine should be a fifth of the price and you know there should be no points, you know it's a scam, mm. right? That's you basically saying that this is just a tax. I agree. I agree. Driving through this urban area, and that's where all these uh, kind of things tend to be. So that's illegal, right? If they're not allowed to lower the, the speed with which the light goes from yellow to red, or more simply put, the duration of the yellow light. So this fellow um, is an amateur engineer and some sort of, you know, he's a math guy, right? He has some sort of profession doing whatever it is that he does. I didn't quite understand that, but he's been uh, making a habit of actually timing yellow lights. This is is the people's work right here, Mike. Right. This is like, he is, I don't want to be too offensive, but he's a modern day Jesus. (laughs) He is walking the land. And like helping the poor because all these not to get political, but these municipal fines are basically the most regressive tax you could possibly have. Right. You are the only people who pay these taxes. And by the way, particularly in New Jersey, the only places these sort of fines exist, these automated lights are in poor urban areas. Do you know why? Because folks like me and you have the money to get a lawyer and fucking crucify the police department. You know, you know, here in Washington, they they just they have rolled them out over time where they actually they literally bank on you. Just accepting it and paying it when you go well, when you when you go to pay yeah. your first one, you're presented with the option to uh, just add your credit card to get automatically billed when you run the red light. Just to automatically find you. You don't even have to. You don't have to hassle with yeah. it. And like it's no it's no points. It's a hundred bucks. You know, just let it go. Mm-hmm. So this guy, you know, he he decides that I I don't know. I don't want to say that he was walking in a garden called Gethsemane, and like he cried a little bit. And then decided to do the Lord's work. I don't want to say that. <laughs> but at some point he decided to go around and time these lights. Well, wouldn't you know, he found a whole pile of them that were, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, totally illegal. And what would happen to this this hero? This, You know, yesterday was May Day, Chris. This proletariat hero of the people, what do you think would happen to him? Well, I'm assuming that they sent him a letter acknowledging uh, the mistake, that it must have been a, 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 a programming error, and they thanked him. They maybe, uh, they maybe said, hey, this would be a great opportunity for us to launch a bug, a bug pounding program of sorts, and would you be willing to work with us to sort of set that up and how we should do that appropriately? I, I and mean, then, maybe, a, maybe a metal with like a hammer or a sickle on it, something like that? Yeah, like, you know, you, you're helping the people, and especially during a tough economic times where you know the middle class is being more squeezed than ever you'd probably really want to prop up somebody who's going to make daily lives better or or you find him for doing quote engineering without a license 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I didn't. Um, so yeah. I, I blacked out for a second. I didn't hear what you said because it sounded like so, you, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm blacking out. Oh, my God. What? So what? For, for timing the duration of the yellow lights and reporting it, he was fined for, quote, unquote, doing engineering without a license, $500. Is that even a and, thing? That must be a thing oh, that was already oh, on the books, I guess. It is on the books. And they referred his case, the engineering board, the board that certifies engineers in his state to the police department for a criminal investigation. Ooh. So did you just say, did, I'm sorry, did you say criminal? I said, no, they, yeah, they referred it for a criminal investigation. No. Yep. I don't, I just, that's like uh shut up. You, you know what it is? It's shut up. That's our revenue. Shut up. That's our revenue. It, it, it sh- well, well, here's some really interesting thing here before we get too deep into what this topic's really about. Did you know all these government licensing boards are not actually government entities? They are private partnerships with the government. I found this out when I was researching this article. I was not aware but of that. They are, for the most part, they are private organizations with the PNL. So they are not like, you know, nonprofit government entities. They, uh, but they are they like a government, like- but they have government enforcement of the of their violations. Yeah, they're like uh they're sort of like a uh one of these one of these groups where they they start working with government and then it becomes within their boast their best interest to make this awful, to make these things just Yeah, that's... I mean I don't know if you have this in the West Coast, but we have Easy Pass on the East Coast, right? Yeah, we have that. They're they, you know, they're a private for-profit company, but if you piss them off enough, you actually the enforcement isn't a civil suit. It's actually like law enforcement. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. And I and so, I, I I am surprised to see this isn't getting more attention. I'm shocked, and I, and I'm shocked that software developers haven't really picked up on this, because in the past five years, uh, there's been this big argument by some I would say uh, more seasoned developers that we should all be licensed like you know mechanical engineers, and we should all pass a certification exam and a licensing exam, and you know practicing without a license should be malpractice. Well, this is what happens when you have those kind of exams. You have vested interests that are basically rent-seeking. I mean rent-seeking in the economics way, right? They are not producing any value whatsoever. They're just collecting money. I guess the supposed value they offer is by reducing the size of government and reducing those those government jobs. But that doesn't really seem to be worth this. Uh, And you know what's what's sickening, Mike, because this is just – Probably one example. This, by the way, was in Oregon. So uh, I was thinking, yeah. you know, for some reason when you said this, when you first started talking about it, I was thinking it was like an East Coast thing. But no, it's – Well, in New Jersey, they would have just killed them. I mean, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's a bit of an elephant in the room today and it has an S on it. Uh, it's uh, Chris, I put on a couple pounds. Jesus Christ. Can I <laughs> – can I tell you something? I woke up this morning and I didn't read the news right away. And I, but I did fire up Twitter before I got to the news, and uh, I saw um, MG Siegler making jokes about Microsoft launching Windows Ten S Edition. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. And of course, you called the S Edition because he's a Mac fanboy, and Apple calls things the S Edition that are faster. Haha, <laughs> that's so. And then I saw the news, and Microsoft actually unveiled Windows Ten S which is an education edition limited to Windows Store apps. Windows Store apps only. If you're not a Windows Store app, no need to apply. Also, along with this news, surprise, surprise, Microsoft announced that they would be porting Microsoft Office 
over to the Windows Store. I don't know how they're going to do that because it's not exactly a, uh, <laughs> a uh, UWP app that's just going <laughs> to drop right in there. So they're going to make some sort of exception. They're also going to offer PCs with Windows 10 S starting this summer for $189. They also have a Surface laptop now running Windows 10 S starting at $199. Or I'm sorry, $999. So the $189 device is obviously targeted at schools. It's targeted at the Chromebook. Um, this includes um, Windows S on both of these, the high end and the low end. So they're trying to do it across a whole line here. And just as a point of clarification, I double checked, the S in Windows 10 does not stand for student edition. It ref- no. <laughs> no, Steve Jobs. Uh, it refers to Windows being more streamlined and secure and having superior performance. Superior performance. Wait, is that real or is that a joke? No, that's really what it stands for, just like Apple does with the S lines. So what do you think about this Windows 10 S limited to Windows Store apps only? One, I saw it this morning and I thought it was a joke. So I'm not super prepared to respond to it. I thought it was a joke Uh, too. I really did too. Yeah, this is real. Like, okay, didn't they just do this with Windows RT? I remember losing quite a bit of money on that. I I think the I think the App Store only thing is exactly what Valve was afraid of. This is what well, started Steam machines. Who, who's the customer? I guess education. Yeah, well, here's actually the the the, the idea. I mean, the, the idea isn't necessarily a bad one. They say the goal is to avoid problems that traditional Win32 apps often run into, like running in the background, requesting their own updates, popping you up with different update wizards. Microsoft wants to stop apps from hooking into boot. They want, to, they want uh, the sign-in process to be all handled with, you know, you log in with one account, all updates come through Windows Store, all updates come through a Windows Update. Uh, they say they can improve startup time. They say they can improve security. They can improve what runs in the background. Um, they can get you can get faster start sign in times. They say about fifteen seconds, which matters for schools. And they also say that you'll get better battery life if you only run apps from the Windows Store. So they, they say it's all about that. It's about getting. It's about avoiding the traditional problems of the Windows desktop, where you can have things running in the background, doing things you didn't know about. That's what they're trying to avoid. Um, it doesn't mean the regular Windows 10 is going away, and it doesn't mean there probably wouldn't be a way to break out of this too. Uh, but I think it's an interesting move for Microsoft, and it's 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 more aggressive than something Apple has done with their App Store. They're taking the more aggressive stance here than Apple is. I thought that was somewhat interesting. And then just sort of like in the hardware area, you know, the Surface laptop, people are saying it's an actual beautiful laptop from Microsoft. And now if you look at it, you got you got a pretty good Microsoft development ecosystem from the obviously the software tools, but now you got great hardware and you got Bash on Windows, you got Docker on Windows, and this video for the new Surface laptop is I don't know, it's pretty great actually. It's it's really well done. It's Apple-esque and it's in its production. They're showing you like how they milled the the fine parts all the different components coming together on screen i also like how it's a gray room instead of a white room it is you're right you're right it's much more gray yeah all the keyboard switches i mean it's a pretty good video you know i've opened many a laptop and they do not look like that wow did you see that matte finish it has it's like a textured I mean, if I wanted to run Windows, they could definitely sell me on this. This, this, it's the keys. This cloth covered, but then they cut, they've laser cut out the individual keycaps. Oh, there's your chamfered edge. This is a really good looking laptop. 
I wonder what ports it has. None. Yeah, it looks very low on the ports. Very nice screen, though. This is the new Surface Book. Yep. This is the, well, the new Surface Laptop, they're calling it. It's a, it's a full-on laptop. So it's not the Surface Book anymore. No. Well, no, there's also that. This is a new product. So this is a new line. This yep. is not an update. Correct. And this, this if boy, man, if I was a Windows developer, this oh, is... If I was a .NET dev, I think I'm looking at this, I'm like, yep. Exactly. Right. If I developed on and the Windows platform... The mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And honestly, yeah. when you're looking for a machine to get work done, it's... This the thing about Microsoft making a machine for a thousand dollars that looks like it's actually a pretty decent machine. That's something that I think your business that you're working for could get behind on paying for. So it's a 13.5 inch pixel sense display, which you know. Here's what I like though: you get a super packed in pixel uh, display with a ten with a three three two aspect ratio, 1080p, um, and they have they say the thinnest LCD touch module in any laptop on the market, and they promise. If you run Windows S, 14.5 hours of battery okay. life. Well, first of all, Visual Studio is not going to run on Windows S. So, <laughs> so it's just, like this machine – wait, just hang on. This You're right. You're right. It's like a developer's laptop with Windows 10 Pro. Regular, yeah. Yeah, the real, so, the real version. I just want to pivot away from the hardware a little bit. What is different about Windows S than Windows RT? I, I, I guess Intel, you it's meant, it's meant for x86 machines. It's, so it's not an ARM processor. Okay. Right. It's going to be paired but, with uh, OEMs. <laughs> Their hardware partners are going to ship computers for sub $200 running Windows S. So the, the subset of the API, though, it's still using the Windows Store API, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the Windows uh, – oh, my God. I just did a program in it three months ago. What the hell was it? Windows – Someone's going to correct us in the feedback, but uh, let's call it the Windows Metro. I, I know we don't say Metro anymore. Oh yeah, the Universal, the UWP. Universal. Yeah, yeah, UWP. Right. I just and I just did something in that. Yeah, like yep. The uh, UWP API. I'm sorry. Actually, I, I ended up leaving UWP and doing it in WPF. I just got to look. So that's right. You know the thing what? too. Well, and 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 that's obviously not Microsoft Office. Microsoft Office is a yeah. Win32 application. They're going to move when some certain Win32 applications into the Microsoft Store, and Office is the first big one as part of this. Right, but for developers, why? How are you getting me to? I mean, this sounds like the same rodeo as last time. This sounds like, hey, developers, we have this. Um, we have this API. We're calling it UWP. It's, you know, remember Windows RT? Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, I know UWP has a lot more stuff and it's a lot less restricted. But why, I mean, the Windows developers that I talk to, and I, I will grant you there's not many of them because I just, you know, it's not the circles I really travel in, are all like WPF and ASP devs. Mm-hmm, yes. No one's doing UWP. Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to challenge you a little bit and say, I you remember years ago I thought the Surface Pro was cool the first one that came out I I bought one yep, yep. right and I de- devoted resources to working in it and like nobody bought those apps right so w- what has changed I have a dream I have a dream it's so, a- so nothing's changed <clears throat> well yeah. <laughs> I mean you have a dream you can have all the dreams you like no but- here <laughs> you're right but here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me there, but let me tell you where I think we could be going. Momentum is a real son of a bitch, and there is Oh, it is. That's the whole point here. Well, yes, I agree, except for there is a different kind of momentum, and that is there is a momentum with group policy and active directory and working with vendors that sell Microsoft products. There is so much momentum and establishment there and so much time invested for the last decade in that infrastructure. 
And it is uniquely great for schools because the way Active Directory works, it's a hierarchy, it's a hierarchy of, of permissions. So you can have organizational units and you can have permissions that apply at, at a certain level and they can go down the chain. So it's so great for students, staff, administration. It fits in perfectly with the general organization of higher education and elementary. Like it's just it, – it's uniquely qualified for that. And so there's so much momentum in using that management infrastructure that the Chromebooks are absolutely appealing, but Google solutions don't work for everybody. They don't always integrate perfectly with your existing management system. They they generally have a bridge at best where you have to then use their tools to actually do the management. This would all snap in with the existing skill sets and, and, and tools that the that the staff already have. And it's it's a great way to maintain sort of a lineage of compatibility. Your Windows servers will all work with your Windows S machines that cost $189. And the people that will be developing applications for it, I would assume, Dude, would be the people like, making apps for that market. Like if, you're, if, you, if you created an old app that has to be updated for, a, for the new era, you, maybe this is what you would target perhaps. Maybe. I, OK, now I'm not liking it as much. No. I, I mean I just literally <laughs> yesterday shipped up no. a Rails app. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a dick, but like yesterday I just shipped a Rails app that did uh, Active Directory authentication. There's a fucking gem for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's – yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, You're right. I mean that is true. It, it, was, it was a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's I, so I, much I, better. It took me about a week to do it because they're using a super old version of Active Directory. But it's possible now. It's so much better. It, in the past, it's yeah. It's probably possible, but you know, we're in the enterprise, right? We're talking enterprise. 20 hours or 25 hours to do something isn't really that long. Right. right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. A compatibility upgrade of that sort of scope. I, I don't understand. Like if I had went to this client and said, so you have this Rails app that's a web app that works on all these Windows clients. What if we rewrote it in WP? They would have laughed me and then security would have escorted me out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> right. It would have been a pretty quick uh, trip back to New Jersey. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 I was trying. You know, I'm trying because there's there's so much hard work and energy and good ideas going into what they're doing right now that I feel like it's just my lack of vision that prevents me from seeing. No, 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 no. They're doing awesome stuff at Microsoft. It's called TypeScript. It's called Azure. Yes. Like. It didn't work when we called it Metro. It didn't work when we called it RT. It's not working when we call it UWP. I, 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 it's sort of like the canonical effect, only you're seeing it at a company that has such larger scale they can actually right. like stay yeah, in it like, for years and produce actual hardware. It's the canonical mobile the hard, effect. Here's the thing. The hardware can be good, right? Like I think it, you know, I don't know anything about this product, but the times that people do ask me when they write into the show, you know, I want a Windows laptop to do work for school or whatever. I always say, go look at a Surface because you know what? They are premium Windows hardware. They're really if good you're going to run Windows, yeah. If you are in the Microsoft space, there's no reason not to buy from them. But to limit yourself, unless to, you like the Lenovo's or something, I mean, there's there is some good hardware these uh, days. Well, the so Microsoft, XPS, is it? yeah, Microsoft really has yeah. to compete, but they are competitive. I think I think they're extremely competitive. I mean, it's just you know, but in terms of let me take one of the most open, and I'm using that in terms of development opportunities, platforms in Windows, and let me restrict myself down <laughs> arbitrarily for no reason. Seems a little silly to me, but maybe I'm just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't I don't hear a lot of adoption of UWP is the other thing I would Yeah, think. But yeah. we could probably move on from this. Okay. Well, you know, and, and there is another aspect to this that there's so much momentum 
in, quote unquote, the cloud. And it's always about choosing the right cloud. So let me tell you about DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. You go over there, you create an account, and use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. It'll give you a $10 credit, and you can use that $10 however you like. You want to run a $5 a month rig? Go for two months for free. You want to do something crazy powerful with terabytes of storage and gig, gig, gigabytes of like 200 gigabytes, I mean gigabytes of RAM, lots of cores, you can do that too. You can run it hourly, you can run it monthly, digitalocean.com. It's really great infrastructure where you can spin up a, a rig in seconds. Like probably I've gotten the lowest I've seen in like the 30-second range, but they say 55 seconds or less. Now, the reason I mentioned the time is if I have sort of an inkling to try something or I see a new project come along, if I can get started and, and get in and actually be using it within five minutes – that low cost to start up in my time is so worth me trying out something new. And, some, and I, have had try, I have tried out a few things like that that ended up being game changers for me. So you can get a lot of use out of $10 at DigitalOcean. So you go to DigitalOcean.com, you sign up, you apply our promo code CODERDIGITAL. Then look at their interface. It's so well done. And they have an API that you can extend functionality. It's... It's like the best thing ever, if not the best thing ever. One of the things that just blows my mind every single day is I am now able to start recording and remote streams of my shows by issuing commands to an IRC bot written in Ruby that talks to the DigitalOcean API. It's so great, and you can do it too. For anything you're working on, DigitalOcean could be the perfect solution. If you're learning, if you're spinning up something for back-end infrastructure, if you want to put something in production, it's so ideal. My line now with DigitalOcean is if it's something that doesn't require a console, like a monitor access, because they do have a... Uh, an HTML5 console that works great. But if it doesn't require like a full-on XGUI or I don't want to do X1140, I do a DigitalOcean droplet. It's, it is my server farm on demand. It's great. They have high CPU droplets now, which are just massively fast. You can get early access. If you go to DigitalOcean.com, they've got block storage you can attach. They've got monitoring integrated into DigitalOcean. It's getting better and better all the time. In fact, there's so many new great things to talk about. I haven't even mentioned how fantastic their documentation is in a long time but it is some of the best. From one-click deployments to the documentation that helps you get more, go to DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. And it's promo code CODERDIGITAL, one word, you apply it after you create your account at DigitalOcean.com. I noticed something kind of funny yesterday. I asked my Alexa to repeat a swear word, and she beeped. So you can tell... Cancel. You, yeah, you can say Simon says, and you can then it'll just repeat back whatever Simon says. And I had a curse word in there, and instead of saying the curse word, she bleeped it. I did a little bit of further digging, and uh, turns out Amazon has done a big update to the speech system on everyone's echoes in the background, in the cloud. Alexa can now cancel, <clears throat> can now uh, talk more like a human. She can whisper, she can take dramatic pauses. In her sentence, and uh, she can more of a bitch. Great, yeah, and she can inflect more emotion now. I don't know. I think that's actually pretty neat, and it's it's fascinating that you get these tiny tiny tubes or little cylinders, and then all of the R and D happens somewhere else, and you just get new stuff in this little tube. Pretty cool. All right, let me let me devil's advocate here. Although I actually totally believe that everything you said is good. Isn't that bad, though, Chris, that now behavior you may have relied on for, let's say, gag gifts or gag jokes at a 
you know, dinner parties no longer works. I was disappointed she didn't curse. I was a little disappointed, yeah. It is that is that is an aspect of it. Uh what if Amazon decides that they no longer like Spotify and now your Alexa is not yeah, gonna play Spotify? Right. Or what happened to me is Google Assistant all of a sudden decided it could no longer open up Pocket Cast just one day. And then just if that ever happened, I would melt it down into its component parts and ship it to It was the page. worst. And then you know what I got is Google Assistant does not yet support Pocket or uh, podcasts. So it knew I was asking for something to do because I would say open Pocket Cast. And Assistant comes back and says, Google Assistant does not yet support playing podcasts. Yes. It- Oh, Google Assistant is – yeah, yeah. So there is a bifurcation in Google Home, right? Because I could say, hey, Google, stop, stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's weird. I forgot that it's right there and it will totally start doing stuff. Yeah, it's 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 all very, very new yeah. to me in some ways. And, you know, <clears throat> cloud-hating Noah, Mr. Noah Chalaya over there uh, hates the cloud and uh, he's been working in the studio for the last week as we're rebuilding the studio. We, For those of you who don't know – in fact, I'd like to talk about this just for a second – but uh, we we every I just I think you got to do this in a production studio every every two or three years. We just pulled every single monitor, every cable, every everything out, and we're putting it all back in with some and some replacement parts. Um, and in that process, you know, we've had our hands full because we're like carrying stuff and, and moving monitors and tables and mixers and cameras and lights. And so it's been so nice to be able to just bark at the room and have the room do things. And now he's in. Now he's like – now he wants one uh, because there's a real practical use to it. And I think until you use it, you don't realize how useful that actually is. You know, you're sitting here working at your computer and you're in the middle of a command and to be able to just say with your mouth something that changes a fan or turns off this or – it's so nice. So every time people listen and they roll their eyes, I say try it. I say try it. But <clears throat> I did have actual a, a show tie-in with the studio stuff. Get ready for this, Mr. Dominic. Big news. Uh, there's a project that uh, the Coda Radio audience actually started off, kicked off for us oh. two years ago. Yeah. Get ready for this. Two years ago, two years ago, I put the call out on this show to create an open source soundboard that uh, could replace the one that I ran on a Mac – and I uh, had some certain features I wanted. This is something that does not really exist in the open source space. It's not really something that uh, has been solved for some reason. There's several available on the Mac, and they, they are not cheap. But there's nothing free for Linux or any operating system. And so we had a couple of people step up and make a couple of different ones for us. And I think the one that got the furthest was one that was called Caster Soundboard. And uh, we actually, just last night... Put it in production, and uh, I have it linked in the GitHub. It's it's really cool. It's a C plus plus app with Qt five, and uh, it's he's, he actually got really far with it. In fact, he got so far that it's almost ready for production use right now. And why that excites me is there's a couple of other open source projects we've worked on, like our JBot project. Um, and a visualizer project and a publishing tool project that we have submitted code to and or forked and, and, and extended, and then other podcasts now use those tools, um, <clears throat> like uh, some some big ones too. Uh, anyways, and so I'm hoping the same thing might be able to happen with the soundboard, but it's missing a few components still. And well, I'm, I, I'm reviewing your code in real time, so let's do thank this. you. This is really exciting for us because we are this production happening right now is all being recorded and streamed using open source software running on Linux. And this soundboard was the last piece that was closed source software that we were trying to get rid of this week. And so we were so close, we decided let's put it in production and see if maybe folks in the community might want to help us finish it up. 
Um, and you know, if you do, I'll try to I'll try to get a, I'll try to get everybody who's involved. And if you have like a a, a, a Twitter account you want to plug or something, you work with us. I'll try to give you a little attention on air to say thank you. There's just a couple of things left, and we've lined them out. Like it, it, right now, you can't save a soundboard, you can't export the soundboard, um, and the, all of the buttons need to be improved for touch because we're using it on a 1080p touchscreen. So like larger playback buttons, larger volume what, sliders. Uh, what platform is that touchscreen running on, Chris? Linux. Yeah, it's a little Dell 21 inch that. Uh, oh, okay. So it's what a KDE touch or. Well, I guess technically, I don't know if I think Qt does have touch support built in, but it just shows up as like an input device. So, like, okay. if the buttons are large enough, you can just hit them with your finger. Um, so, and there's like full tiles, uh, and if we, those were converted, into, if the full tile could be used as a play button or a pause button, then you could just hit it with your finger, and it'd be perfect. So, for folks who want to contribute, is there an issue tracker? I mean, the, we well, it's up GitHub on the right? Jupiter Broadcasting GitHub, and uh, yeah. I will link that in the show notes and. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably the best place to. There's also, of course, the chat room if you want to, like, chat with Rikai in there and stuff. But the yeah, I prob- don't see any issues here. So how how would someone get involved if they want to? What's the first step? I would say go to the GitHub and take a look at it there, and then stop by the chat room irc.geekshed.net and go to Jupiter Broadcasting, okay. um, and you can go there. Maybe uh, you know, take a look at it, see if it's something you want to get involved in. I have the, like the like the four things that we need to get it finished, and I think this would be usable by just about anybody. Kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting because one of the other things we've done, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting a little worked up, is we have switched over entirely to using OBS on Linux for all of our video production. So no Ooh, Mac. I was using OBS this morning. Yeah, no Mac, no Wirecast, and now we're we're beginning to build a list of things we want to pay people to do or enlist people to help with on OBS because it's also open source, and we think there's things that are missing from some of the commercial stuff that isn't that difficult to put in that uh so i don't know i i hope over the next couple of years that we can start contributing more back to it because the projects we have been involved in have seen some success and uh that's kind of exciting so it seems like there's a possibility but it really comes down to the people listening to the show specifically this show that want to get involved so you can find out information in the show notes i have the github page link or you can go to github.com slash jupiter broadcasting it's pinned right up there at the top Great. And I just helped you guys out. My first contribution to the project, I made an issue on the project. <laughs> Did you? you to, to leave issues open. Uh, <laughs> need Jar Jar submenu. That's true. Uh, yeah, and that's, if somebody doesn't yeah. hate close that, I will actually do it. Every, every, yeah, every, a, a Jar Jar submenu where everything gets converted to Jar Jar speak. No, that's, po- that's impossible. <laughs> that is impossible. Uh, Chris, I'm proud of you. An open source project, you know what, your dedication to open source and open platforms yeah, is. Really? Something, it's, yeah, it's something yeah. that is remarkable, you know, and we've invested a lot of time and money. I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours of Rikai and uh, Noah's work, uh, hours of my work and lots of my Bitcoin into building these machines to all run on an open, free Linux platform. And I'm very, very excited about it because it means as we move the needle forward on production under Linux, maybe the rest of the uh, community will see some improvements right. too and they can get and, it. And so you it's save thousands of dollars by not buying a MacBook Pro. Right. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, what? What? Well, isn't that the point? So here's the thing. Um, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh, I'm all in, you know, where for me, Mike, you know, wherever I can use Linux and before I even should be using Linux, I'm all in. I'm doing it. Uh, especially if it's a Linux and open source because it gives us the flexibility of of you know working with somebody to add a feature and not having to just be at the will 
of whatever that commercial vendor is doing with the product. So sometimes things when Wirecast would change or the soundboard only works on Mac or there's these little problems that you realize you end up building your business around. As we're redoing this, I'm rethinking so many things in our workflow because I don't have to do this weird workaround now because that's how this piece of software made us do it. Or I don't have to only be able to do this this way because that piece of software only worked this way. When it's open source, I can I can build the software around the business instead of the business around the software. So whenever I can, I will absolutely go that route. But I am not a maniac. I am, I, am not, I am not insane. And if there is a better tool for the job than what Linux can do, I got to do it. And so the speakers went out on my MacBook Pro 2013, which I think is a pretty good rig, dual booted to Arch and uh, Mac OS or Final Cut OS, as I like to call it, for a long time. And I use it as my primary editing machine, and it has been feeling very slow editing 4K footage, 100 megabit 4K footage, 60 frames a second. I mean, it's like the most punishing type of oh oh, and it's H.264. Okay, so it is like the most punishing type of video work you can do on any computer system. Not a, not a laptop, but like the most high end editing systems. I mean, I could do 8K. I, that would be that. That would be the only more strenuous thing is I could do 8K. But this pretty much it, within a within a ten thousand dollar range of a budget, this is about as most complicated of a video as you can get. And so when it came time to replace the 2013 MacBook Pro, a because it wasn't really fast enough, and b because the speakers are going out, and now we're almost completely out. I can get like 25 percent volume, and then it's all crackly. Um, I looked at everything. I mean, I looked at, I had, and it just happened, I had a $10,000 laptop from Dell with a Xeon processor and it's 64 gigabytes of ECC RAM, a video card with 16 gigs of RAM, CUDA cores up the wazoo, 4K, beautiful screen, three MVNE hard drives, which is perfect for editing, unbelievable, perfect editing machine. I mean, it couldn't have been a better test because I could never have afforded that actual high end of a PC. And here it was for review sitting in my lap. And I tried out and I did manage to edit and release videos under Lightworks on Linux. Premiere under Windows 10 and, and various other editors under Linux. I, just, I don't need to go into all of it. Nobody cares. None of it. None of it. None of it. None of it was half as fast. And I literally mean half as fast as Final Cut 10 on the MacBook Pro 2016 with its limited 16 gigs of RAM and its touch bar. But the reality is Apple makes Final Cut. Apple makes the ATI drivers, the AMD drivers that talk to the video card. Apple makes core video and core animation. Apple makes the operating system and Apple makes the laptop. And that combination, even with what I would personally classify as a underperforming video card that is even slightly underclocked likely, and a limited 16 gigs of RAM that is embarrassing in 2017. Because this is a purpose-built machine in some ways, and Apple controls the entire stack, you can get, you can get faster video production, faster render times, better video processing, and also, I should say, the 2 gig a second PCIe storage helps a lot. Uh, it basically beats everything else laptop-wise on the market. When you're doing video editing... And this was really tough for me because I don't buy computers for single purposes. Uh, I believe everything should at least be able to fulfill a few purposes. And so when I buy a computer, I try to make sure it can solve a few different things. 
So you're you're telling me, let's just kind of recap here, that Chris Linux Action Show Fisher. No, I quit the Linux Action Show. <laughs> oh. Well, actually, this all makes sense now. <laughs> no, no, no. no Tune in uh, next week for the Mac OS Action Show. No, That's the hardest – really, the hardest thing was is like how do I justify spending this much money on a computer you that does one thing? Roughly $2,800. Yeah, I'd say after taxes. Yeah, probably yeah. close to that. Yeah. So how do you get there? How do you – how do I – so I, I really, Mike – I mean I, I built – Several machines. I mean, I really went all out trying not not to have to go this route. The reality is, for the type of work I do and the type of footage I'm working with and the encoded type of footage it is, because I'm not doing proxy media, I'm not re- I'm not transcoding it to an intermediate format. I'm just getting my footage off my camera. I'm getting to work. This thing is it's nuts fast. I when I opened it up, I I. I, I, it blew my mind. It was a huge difference from the 2013 MacBook Pro. And here's the other. You want to know the really awful thing? You know what I really hate. And I mean, I deeply hate this. The damn touch bar is very practical in Final Cut. I think they built, I'm not kidding either. I think they built the touch bar for Final Cut and then tried to figure out everything else that it could do. I, wow. It's the, the, the editing. So you get your entire timeline in the touch bar. You can zoom around and slide. You can zoom in. You can apply effects from the touch bar. You get, you get a bunch of great combo commands that aren't just a single keyboard command, but they're a combination of keyboard commands. You get really contextually relevant commands. So like when you're working in footage and you want to put a marker in or jump to the next marker, all of that comes up on the touch bar. And then you tap one button and you get the entire timeline. And the thing is, is to get the functionality of the touch bar, that is a $1,200 editing console that I don't ever get because I'm not going to spend $1,200. And that's a cheap one, by the way. That's a cheapo one that hooks up over USB. A $1,200 editing console to get that same feature that just is built into the touch bar now. Not happy. Okay, so is it a keeper for you? Well, I mean, yeah, as long as I'm editing video, yeah. Yeah, I don't – you know, it's funny because it just kind of sits there when I'm not editing because I don't – I don't know. It's a fine machine, it, but it's not, it's not that much faster in pretty much other things. Like that's the big disappointing thing is Final Cut itself feels remarkably fast, like impossibly fast. Everything else, I, I, I almost can't even tell the difference between my 2013 and like even like, like loading applications. You'd think because it's a faster disk I could notice that, but I, I really don't. It really seems about the fast – same, same speed as my 2013 – with the exception of Final Cut. Oh, and I do like the larger trackpad. There you have it. There you have it. Chris Fisher. Dong, living the dongle life. Living the dongle life, my friend. I'll tell you La, what. La vida dongle. How, how did you do with that? That is a real pain in the butt. That is a huge... Yeah, that's a pain in the butt. That was one of my main uh, issues with it. It's like nothing works and yay. Yeah, what I did is I got a USB-C to Thunderbolt adapter. And I just used my old uh, dock. So I'm just – I had an old dock that I connected over Thunderbolt to the MacBook and so I just took that same dock and got one one dongle and I go into that and that does power and uh, – it doesn't do power. It does video and Ethernet and USB and then I have a separate power one. Oh, yeah. well, there you have it. Super, super yeah. loving it. Super loving it. I am loving the editing. Um, so that's good because I've had a lot of big video projects recently. But uh, other than that, I can't believe it ended up here. I really can't. That's really why I wanted to talk to you about it. Because I could see you getting one. I didn't foresee me. And well, here's what I was hoping. I did get one, and then I sold it. I was hoping. My hope was is that 
my MacBook would last until the 32 gig version came out because you know they're going to announce one probably in fall. That takes yeah. up to like 64 gigs of RAM or something. Yeah. So I was hoping. I was hoping, but <sighs> man, it stings. Stings. And I did it. I did it too. The other thing that stings is I bought it with Bitcoin uh, a few weeks ago when it was worth 1100 and right now Bitcoin's worth 1400 So, so you actually lost money. That stings too. Don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. You but know it, what though? I think it makes sense. It's a purpose-built machine for you. I mean, I did a YouTube video this morning on my lemur and you know, one of the differences between this video and the last one is the last one was on the MacBook before I sold it. There's something to be said about the Macs with video production. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially when you're using like yeah. some of the Apple pipeline, like the Core Video or QuickTime or um, Final Cut. It really is kind of a unique setup, and I don't yeah. really, I don't, I know people hate it when I talk about this on the show because I want to talk about this more from like a just, you know, sometimes there's cer- there's certain tools you have to buy to do your work, and so that's how I'd like people to talk about this. I don't, we don't need to make this about video editing and Macs, but. Um, I will, you know, I, I just trust me when I say I tried everything for weeks and some of the videos that we've released recently were after, were, were, you know, up till 3am excruciatingly just grinding through a project just so I could try a different editor. So that way I could just make sure that I wasn't wasting money or Bitcoin in this case. And what I came down to is I know that if I get this tool, not only does it work with my existing workflow, but for my testing, it's still the best tool for the job. And there's a job I want to get done. It was it was a tough it was surprisingly still even it's still surprisingly tough to even talk about it though cuz it I don't know it feels a little it feels like a, a little bit like I was strong armed into getting something I didn't want because of the monopoly they have but anyways we don't I I, can't, I had to tell somebody so I wanted to tell you Mike cuz I felt like you would understand my pain after your recent I do, I do understand your pain I mean I ended up going uh back to the lemur for I think practical reasons of you know I'm mostly doing uh, back end dev and docker right mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering. I'm, I'm probably. I'll probably give it a few months, and I'll probably take my first stab at putting Linux on it. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And all the advantages. You know, I want to mention before we go too much further. Scale your code. Scaleyourcode.com. You go there. You sign up with their to their mailing list. It's only two or three emails a month, and then you get on that list, and you get access to the interviews and blog posts and tutorials. This is a really nice resource because they've talked to people in the industry that have really solved some problems, dealt with some challenges, and built some interesting cultures from engineering. To to problem solving, there's so many great resources. I was taking a look at the list, and I thought this one was pretty cool. Scaling Basecamp and making it insanely fast with the CTO and Rails founder, David Hansen. How cool is that? He says the Basecamp stack, which handles 2,000 requests a second, what makes it, he talks about what makes it so fast, how they mitigate DDoS attacks, uh, how Rails 5 uh, was a big change, transition for them, rendering HTML on the, on the server side and then delivering it to the client, and uh, all kinds of interesting things. So check it out. You go to scaleyourcode.com, one word, and then you sign up right there, and then you get access to the mailing list. It's about two to three emails a month. It's free. You just get in there and get access to the interviews and the tutorials and the blog posts. Very cool stuff on there. Also, uh, Jeff Atwood, the Stack Exchange and Discourse guy, uh, Jamry from Netflix and Reddit, some really cool ones. ScaleYourCode.com. Go sign up and get access. And thanks to Scale Your Code for not only giving us the inside scoop, but for making such a great service available. ScaleYourCode.com and for supporting the Coder Radio program. You go to ScaleYourCode.com. And then you just sign up. 
It's pretty easy peasy, Mike. It's really actually not too bad. Yeah, it is. There is a certain note of irony in um, in Chris uh, moving his entire actual production studio over to Linux and open source, and then uh, at the same time, for some of the editing, he, he ends up getting getting the Mac. But it's for a whole range of stuff. Now I see there's a YouTube video in the show notes. There is. Dare now, I uh, play it? Dare I just randomly play it on the show? You could randomly play it. I mean, I have to say, without a graphics card, I tried. Oh, this is you. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, then this is probably a good okay, bet. It's safe. This is Mike again from Buccaneer. And in five minutes or less, or your pizza, hint, there's no pizza, is free. I like this. I like this. So you're making the content really the focus. You're making it right there. Boom, it's a terminal. There's Mike down in the corner. Like, it's not your face that's taking up the full screen. It's the terminal. I like it. The terminal. It's all, it's all about Docker, right? It's all about the terminal, the command line. Um. Yeah, this is from this morning, me just going ahead and setting up a Rails application with Docker Compose right then and there. Hmm. So uh, I thought you lost your audio. Was that a separate video? That was a different video? The- uh, I recorded a version of it last night, uh. and this is a re-record. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the club, Mike. Yes, welcome to the club. Been there, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, good on you. And you did this with OBS, huh? Wow. OBS, So yeah. um, are, you, are you hoping that uh, these will kind of catch on and that folks will, uh, will sort of keep tuning in for tips like this? Because I think if you stay at it, eventually it's going to start building. But it takes a little while and it takes building a back catalog to really gain traction. Are you, how long are you going to try it, do you think? Well, I'm trying to get one out a week. I haven't been doing huh. such a great job at that. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Of course, now you're going to be I mean, traveling soon, so. Well, I actually cut a whole portion out of my trip today. Oh, really? Look at you. Yeah. Good for you. Was it, was it like uh, just got to scale back? Kind just got to scale back. Being gone for that long was going to be too uh, too challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and that's probably the right way. To, instead of just canceling the whole thing, just scale yeah. down a bit to what you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I will uh, I will say I should subscribe. So you can find the link to uh, running uh, Rails on Docker Compose in from Mike's YouTube channel in the show notes. You guys just subscribe. You know how that works, and then you get the new ones, kind of, sort of. YouTube's changing all of the things, but I think it's a great idea. And if it takes off, you know, you can help position the you and the company as a uh, authoritative on the subject. That's the plan. And also, also not a bad thing to send along when you're doing. When you're working a lead and, you know, maybe the conversation's kicking off and uh, the topic comes up of the project, you can say, yeah, and here's a few videos we've done. Even if they just watch a few seconds, it helps establish, oh, these guys must really know their stuff. And I say that from personal experience that it, it really seemed to help when we were working with clients. So very nice, Mike. Good on you, sir. Good on you. I'm glad you're sticking Thank with you. it too. And doing it under Linux. Jeez, jeez. Look at us. Aren't we just a couple of hippies today? Well, some of us. Wow. Wow. Was there anything else we want to cover? No, that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, well tell well, the people well. where to find you. Tell the people. Go to uh, at Buccaneer Tech or at Jumanuko on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend you also follow at Jupiter Signal and why not give at Chris Elias a follow? That's me. And just a heads up, starting next well actually this week, starting this week, we will be re refreshing. We will be updating. We'll be renewing our RSS vows with you and upgrading your video feeds to HD if you're subscribed to the Coder feed. And if you're listening to the show going, why the hell would I subscribe to the video feed? I don't know, because there's also an MP3 feed available as well. So whatever floats your boat, you can find it over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Also the contact page, our calendar for when we're live, and jblive.tv for that live stream. If you want to submit content ideas or feedback, we also welcome it at coderadio.reddit.com. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you right back here next Monday.